Welcome to the NCLA podcast. Today, we're joined by Aaron Polanski to talk about building connections in CTE and beyond. And you may remember Aaron, he was actually our second podcast guest back in April of 2020. And it's exciting to have you back here, Aaron. It's crazy how much our world has changed in just those short two years. And Aaron is the superintendent director of Old Colony Regional Vocational Technical High School in Rochester, Massachusetts. He's a speaker speaker, author, and consultant who travels the United States in his spare time. So thank you so much for joining us today, Aaron. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Rachel. It's exciting. You know, for those who may have missed our first podcast episode together, can you tell us about yourself and how you got involved in CTE and a little bit about your CTE leadership journey? Sure. So my my stumbling upon CTE was quite accidental, to be quite honest. I uh, had wrapped up a position as a director of athletics in Hopkinton, where the Boston Marathon starts. And at the conclusion of that job, I was offered the opportunity to work for a gentleman who ran a landscape construction company. And at the time, he enticed me with the opportunity to coach in the winters. So he basically said, you'll have your winters off and you can come coach. And I said to him, I don't really know a whole lot about landscape design and construction. And he said, well, I'm really looking uh, for somebody who can connect with people. You know about that. I had coached his three sons privately. And he said, I can teach you the rest. So it was literally like a five-year learning on the job type of situation. And I learned something new every day. But in my first year, I literally sat next to him for the majority of the time and watched what he did. And each day he would teach me a little bit of something new, whether it had to do with the estimate or simply the the actual construction piece. He put me on each of the three crews. We had a landscape crew, a stone crew, and a brick crew. And he said, in order to earn the respect of the guys in the company, because I was going to be in a managerial position, he said, it will be very important for you to work by their side at least for a month at a pop, as hard if not harder than everybody else, so that there's no doubt about your commitment. And um, a lot of what he taught me in that role ended up carrying over into my future leadership opportunities. And what had happened is he said to me, if you ever want to go back to education, there'll be no hard feelings. I just thought you'd be the perfect guy for this job. And five years later, I turned to him and I said to him, you know, I really miss education. I had the opportunity to go back in a teaching capacity. In the year I went back to teach, my wife got pregnant with our twins, who are now 13. (laughs) I turned to her and said, you know, what? I'm going to have to go back into administration because teaching won't pay the bills. And I I had left a big salary at the landscape construction company and I started applying for jobs. Well, it just so happened that the assistant principalship I was finally offered ended up being at Bristol County Agricultural. And that's where I had my introduction to vocational education. And had I not worked in landscape design and construction, I would have never been able to secure my vocational licensure as an administrator. Everything happens for a reason. I look back and I'm grateful for the opportunities that were provided to me in the industry side of uh, the world. And I'll tell you, I named my my son after my old, call him my old boss, but uh, he had a huge impact on my life. Once I was at Bristol Aggie, I went from being the assistant principal to the principal and then moved over to Old Colony as the superintendent. Yeah. You know, and there's so many lessons or you know, a couple of lessons that I can pinpoint right away. One being that I hear in business and industry all the time that folks saying we can teach those technical skills, but we need people who have the professional skills. They can communicate communicate, they can build relationships. And this is such a perfect example of that. And also just that power of mentorship and someone believing in you and giving you, in a sense, even though that was a full-time position, you know, it's an apprenticeship journey as well, because you're getting to learn and work together underneath someone and develop those skill sets. Absolutely. I would say it was 100% an, an apprenticeship position, especially, like I said, in that first year. And I think I learned more about life 
and the power of positive energy than I did anything else just by sitting next to Doug. There was never a problem too big for him to tackle. He approached everything with a with a cup half full and he had this amazing way of interacting with people that really made you feel valued. And that was at the forefront of all his, all of his decisions, really. He always put people first. Aaron, can you share with us an innovative practice that is taking place in your district that others may be able to replicate in their context? Sure, I, w- I would love to. Um, I'll share a couple. Uh, we're a relatively small district. We ha- we're 9 through 12, and we have six uh, administrators who evaluate uh, instructors. We've created a document. It's basically comprised of six different columns, but on the document, we list our teachers by the geography of the school and where they're located, and we color code it. And at the top of each of those six columns is the name of an administrator. And at the top of the sheet, it simply says, rapport before reports. And our job is to walk into the classroom of an instructor and to simply them they need it and how their day is going. And we put the date next to their name. And the reason why we do this is so that we can keep track of the people we see over a two-week period. And we want to make sure that we see at least the one-sixth of the staff that is in our column, but we attempt to see everybody on the sheet. And I think we have a tendency in schools to only see the people who we're proximal to with more frequency. And sometimes we can forget how infrequent we see someone unless we measure it. And so that data, and it's a form of data, allows us to make sure that our relationships are a priority and that every single person in the school gets a check-in from our administrative team. And then we're able to process at a weekly meeting and, and talk about the positives and the celebrations and the best practices that we see and then publicize them, right? Because if we're not talking about our school the way we want it to be talked about, then somebody else is talking about it differently in creating our brand for us. So what we do after we visit these classrooms is we share out via social media and our website and in as many places as we possibly can, the things that we want to celebrate. Today we tweeted about, this morning we tweeted about, and I know you saw it because I saw you uh, mark it or retweet it, uh, our carpentry program completed a building for the town of Rochester where we're located. And the students are able to give back to the community. Well, that came about because of a visit to our carpentry instructor who has now taken on that same practice of extending the good news via his social media. And when I saw him today, I said, that was an awesome post. You put up 20 pictures of the kids building the, the project. And it, it, when you do that, it allows us to extend your good news and share it with other other members of our local, state, and even national community through NCLA. Um, so that's one practice. And then the other practice that I think I'd like to share is that, and we're just getting back into it. Every two weeks, on Monday following the weekend, we gather as an entire school in our gym. And that time is used to celebrate our students and our staff and accomplishments within the school and also to talk about whatever's going on in the world that might be an intangible or even a difficult conversation. I think that what it allows us to do is stay connected in an authentic form on a routine basis see faces. Uh, as recently as this past Monday, we celebrated our Skills USA award winners at the district level. We celebrated uh, winners of an art contest for the Tri-Town uh, Against Racism organization that our students did extremely well in. And then we talked about the issue of a hat policy that the students had presented to our school committee and our desire to make sure that we maintain etiquette if the, if the policy were to be approved. And if not, we want people to understand the reason why it wouldn't be approved and that creating the whole human being 
well-being and, and ensuring that there isn't an erosion of etiquette is of great importance to us. So these are the types of things we talk about at that, those assemblies. It's a great practice. If you have a really big school, you could scale it and maybe see one grade, uh, you know, each day. It's time well spent. I think, you know, we're, we're in the business of teaching so much more than just what's in a textbook. And our goal when these kids walk across the graduation stage is to make sure that we've created the whole person. And those little lessons that may take 25 minutes of a morning can be an integral piece of their development as young men and women. There are so many great takeaways from what you just shared with your innovative practices. First, the rapport before reports. That, is, that should be a slogan in everyone's office, something that people just remind themselves of all the time. Those relationships are so important. And, and like you said, that proximity piece and, and making sure that you're tracking and knowing that you're touching each person's life and that it's frequent so it doesn't seem like they're popping in for a gotcha moment, but you're truly there to support them and to see the great things that are happening, which brings me to the tweets. Thank you so much for tagging us in your tweets. I encourage all of our members to tag us in LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter posts because we want to make what's happening in CTE visible. Not only does it change the narrative around what career and technical education is, but it also makes our educators and our students feel valued. And we need that so much in the cultures of our schools, just for people to know that the work that they're doing is not going unnoticed, that people recognize it and that they want to share it with the world. They want to put it out there and show the great things that are happening. And then also the shared leadership piece, these assemblies that you're talking about, young people know that they have a voice and that's that's powerful for them to become our future leaders and to really think through what, what needs to happen and to know that they have ownership in the culture of their school. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. I think to to teach students the power of agency and and to encourage them to bring forth uh, ideas around the change they want to see in the world is important. And what we what we said to students is, regardless of the outcome, your approach to this work in creating your voice and the voice for your peers uh, will leave you in a better place than if you had not pursued uh, those types of activities. And we reiterate to them that regardless of outcome, we're proud of their efforts and we help them to hone uh, the presentations so that they can be best prepared for what they'll endure, you know, again, beyond the graduation stage, because that's that's part of what we do. That is great. And I, and I appreciate the regardless of outcomes piece, because that encourages people to actually try new things and to risk failure. And Aaron, I know that you are a big proponent of leadership and self-development. What is your favorite leadership book and why? Oh, what a loaded question. So I have I have many. Um, there's three that, I, that I've identified as, as favorites. I just finished The Power by Rhonda Byrne. Uh, have you read it? I have not, but I was writing it down in my notes to put, I have some audible credits. <laughs> super quick read, totally your vibe. She's super positive and she's all about manifesting thought processes through positivity. And the book really focuses on that mindset and the way we approach certain thought processes. So the second book is by David Marquette. It's called Turn the Ship Around. And he was a submarine captain uh, in the Navy. And Marquette took over a new submarine. And when he, when he entered into the submarine, what he recognized was the submarine they put him in charge of was nothing like the submarine he had come from. And so he had to rely on his crew to teach him on the job and to better prepare him for the work that needed to be done. And he talks about empowering your teams and creating a leader-leader environment. And he has a 10-minute short film on YouTube. If you type in Turn the Ship Around by David Marquette, he has this awesome cartoon-based 10-minute uh, leadership film that that's really, I think, a must-see for all schools and all leadership teams. And it's about giving voice 
choice to your people and letting them become the decision makers, unless you need to press the red blinking button, if that's a good analogy. He's the only one that presses the red blinking button because that's when lives are on the line. But other than that, he wants to give people a framework by which to make their decisions. And he really, he really turned the ship around and it was done through empowerment of his people. So I love that book. The last one is called The Heart of a Champion. It's by Bob Richards. I'm a former high school and college wrestler. And I, you know, I coached at the high school and college level. And uh, the Bob Richards book is just a very passionate piece that speaks to mindset around leadership and putting your best foot forward. So I'd highly recommend that as well. Well, thank you for helping me to build my personal list and for our listeners as well. I jotted those three down and I'm going to put on our social media platforms, the link to the video that you mentioned for Turn the Ship Around, because I'm, I'm excited to see that and also to share it with our audience. So thank you for that. Thanks, Rachel. I have a question for you. Do you have okay. a favorite book or do you have a recommendation for me? Uh, you know, I do. I, uh, P- I'm a big fan of Peter D. Amandus, and I'm rereading a book that I read, I believe it was in at the beginning of 2020 or 2021 that it came out on abundance. And it's about changing our mindset and also thinking about the news that we allow in that there's so much negativity that sometimes blinds us from seeing the positivity in the world around us, and how that can shape our, our view of the world and our attitude towards the world. And I know that it's, it's important to see both right now, there's so many current events happening that we've got to be aware of. But I think that just remembering that we're living in a time that is that is the highest education rate of all times, highest vac- vaccination rates, lowest child mortality. And these are things that aren't talked about in the news. So really thinking about how far we've come and where we're going in the future. Sure. Can you share that title one more time? It's a, a, called a, it's called Abundance and it's by Peter okay. Diamandis, which th- that brings me to, can you share the best career advice that you've received? Sure. Well, I'll tell you this, I'm far from perfect. So I've received a lot of advice. (laughs) Uh, But I think some of the most powerful advice, yeah, the most powerful advice I've received, I think was from a recent mentor, his name's Matt King. And he said to me, whatever the issue you're facing or not facing, hang a sign on it because transparency is the key to building trust and trust is at the foundation of all relationships. Own your mistakes and celebrate your people. And I think that whatever our issues are, when we can approach them with an open book mentality, people will learn to trust in what it is we're delivering. And I I do believe that when you meet somebody who's truly authentic, vulnerable enough to own their mistakes and simultaneously humble enough to, in a very appropriate way, share the successes of the people around them, you end up with something pretty special. And so I I love the idea of hanging a sign on it, being transparent, knowing that none of us None of us are perfect and that nobody comes to work with any anything other than the expectation to put forth their very best. And as administrators, I think it's our job to help people continue to put forth their very best. And if they're off off the mark, we need to help them probably by collaboratively talking through it and not necessarily by telling them specifically uh, without helping them to get there on their own. And then there are times when sometimes we have to be a little bit more clear about our own expectations, which will help people to um, get to a place of success. But I think in the long run, the end game is that in leadership positions, we have to own own the mistakes and pay forward the celebrations to the teams of people 
who who bring the success because it's really it's really our front lines in most cases. Uh, so I certainly like to pay tribute to those folks. That is, that's fantastic advice, and I it's it's looking at the two sides of the coin that you have to have both and. I've heard it from, well, I've read in leadership books, and then I've heard people speak about how as leaders, leaders have to own and take responsibility for any of the failures of their people. And the more I think about that, I feel like we're taking away from the people that we lead if we don't allow them to own their failures too and to support them through that. Because if we're taking on the ownership of saying, oh, well, what resources could I have given? What could I have done differently? And you know, we have shared successes. So why not be able to say, if it's shared leadership, that yeah, we all have failures. How can we make it better in the future? And I think that that is an important lesson for everyone to, again, as you said, own your mistakes, honoring the people and allowing as leaders to be authentic and vulnerable and modeling that so that the people that you lead can have that authenticity and vulnerability as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right. And, and the last thing I wanted to ask you about is what do you enjoy most about your role? I can just sense your passion from moving from education into industry and back into education. And I'm curious to see what it is that you enjoy most. I love seeing people grow, whether it's a student when the light goes off and you see them turn a corner or a teacher who experiments and is willing to take a risk and see the benefits of that risk that they've taken or the fruits of their labor when they've worked really hard. I think when we build a team of people, whether it's a small group or an entire school culture that includes families and communities, there's no, be- there's no better joy than celebrating the growth that takes place within that culture and setting a bar. So I think being able to contribute as a visionary to the future of an organization is really exciting. And I think to do that in conjunction with people you, you learn to care about and who become a big piece of your life, because we do spend an inordinate amount of time with our colleagues. When you think about it, you know, you wake up at six o'clock or five o'clock in the morning and you go to work and you might come home at four or five o'clock at night. And for some of us, it's a 10 or a 12 hour day. And then you may see your family for four to, you know, four to six hours if you're lucky. And then on the weekends, but you spend a majority of your life with some of these people and to create something special where you can share in the celebrations and I'll say work hard and play hard because it shouldn't all be work. I think we have to make time to laugh and smile and appreciate, you know, the, the pause every now and then. I don't think there's anything that could be more special uh, than to find that balance and to support one another in that in that journey. That that seems to be a theme lately. That that importance of balance. It's and it's sometimes something neglected within the education world. And Aaron, I lied. I said that that was my last question. But you know, we, we <laughs> talked about your favorite books, and I, I think our members need to hear about uh, your writings and your work. And I think you have at least two books. Am I correct? I actually have. So I have three. I just published a recent a new book. Uh, they're all, thank you. Yeah. They're all, they're all very short and they all have implications for all of us. They're built as children's books, but in actuality, there are some pretty crisp themes that can be used for leadership teams or with students to set a tone and create a vision for, for organizations. You know, the, the first book I published is called Dolphins and Trees. And, uh, it was described as one person as Dr. Seuss meets, meets Tony Robbins, which was a great compliment. That Um, is. It's thematically, it's about connection and also about risk-taking uh, and the power of relationships. The second book was actually created and, and the student has allowed me to share the story because the story is about one of one of our students. Uh, the student wasn't really connected at school. We were worried about whether or not he would he would graduate 
graduate and the student was a graphic design student. So I approached the student and said, listen, I have this story that I wrote. It's about a student who illustrates a book and changes the world. And you're the student. And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to illustrate the book and change the world because what I'm really trying to do is forecast the future. And the student said, yes. And what happened was the student became much more connected at school. He he actually graduated and ended up keynoting with me at a national conference in Disney World. And instead of being paid, they told us that the student could take 15 of his friends to Disney World and they'd put them up in a hotel, pay for all their food, their park tickets. And all we had to do was cover flights. Wow. And so this student who was relatively introverted, probably never spoke much more than a whisper, ended up being the joint keynote with me at the conference. And while we weren't able to capture the keynote because the book had already been published, the power that the project had in helping that student connect uh, was absolutely life-changing. And I think beautifully what's happened is that book has been used to address DEI issues in a multitude of places nationwide. And this student did all of the illustration work. Uh, so it's called Beyond Us. And then the third book that we that I recently published is called Finding Purpose. And it's a tribute to basically peeling back the layers that limit us in identifying our full potential. And it's told through the eyes of a caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. And um, there's a deeper story behind that tied to a friend of mine that went through some struggles and found themselves in a very successful place following those struggles. But that, that was the inspiration for it. And um, that recently came out and has been moving moving pretty well and we're we're pleased with the outcome. So those three books are available on my on my personal website, which is authenticity, not authenticity, but authenticitybeaks.com. There are links for people who are interested in learning more. Well, I am definitely going to check out all three. And especially now that I know the backstory, the Beyond Us gave me chills hearing that. I can't imagine the impact that, that had on the on the student's life and to be able to keynote it. Did you say Disneyland or Disney World? We are at Disney World. Um Nice. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I'll tell you when even more to this wild story. The first day they had the orientation. And again, the student had some anxiety and was a little bit nervous about coming to the orientation. On the second day, my kid, my kids also attended. On the second day, my kids said, you know, dad, so-and-so is doing extremely well. Like they're answering all the questions as part of this leadership program that we're involved in. And I said, oh, that's so exciting to hear. And on the third day, I said, if you're nervous about this closing keynote, you don't have to do it. I don't want you to feel pressure. And the student said, well, of course I want to do it. I said, well, let me know to what extent you're comfortable and what you want your speaking part to be. The student said, I'd like to speak as much as I can. And I said, well, then let's meet at the pool uh, with your mom at nine o'clock and we'll talk through tomorrow's plans. And we mapped it out together at 9 p.m. just to make sure we had all our ducks in a row. And the next day, Rachel, we were supposed to meet at clock closing keynote. And at 12 o'clock, the student wasn't there. So I called mom and I said, you know, I'm concerned because Rin isn't here. And mom said, Rin said, don't worry, he'll be there right when you get started. And he wanted to hang out with all the kids. <laughs> nice. Now, Rin has since graduated high school and is teaching art to young oh, kids. Wow. Like how amazing is that, right? That he's taken that, that avenue. And I'm just, again, I think about to change someone's life takes 30 seconds. It could be something as simple as a smile or knowing their name. And I think a lot of the times our teachers, they say, well, I'm just a teacher and, and, and nobody is just anything. I, I've heard, you know, Joe Sanfilippo say that he's a, he's a superintendent who speaks nationally and nobody is just anything. And whether you're somebody who works in the cafeteria or a bus driver or a parent 
HR professional or a teacher or a parent visiting a school and learn a name, you can change a life. And, um, you know, there's such power in that. And it's and that's simply the starting line. But we're blessed to do the work that we do. I think that people are at the foundation of that. And uh, it's something I never take for granted. So back to what do I enjoy most about my role? You know, it's the fact that at the end of the day, we know we've made someone's life better. There's there's no better gift. It's so, it's so true. That's wow. What a beautiful Beautiful story and reminder and lesson for us. And and like you said, that 30 seconds, I never actually thought of it that way, being such a powerful relationship building piece, knowing someone's name and creating that starting point for moving forward. Well, Aaron, this has been a fantastic conversation. I always enjoy touching base with you and just so many great nuggets of wisdom and quotes that I've jotted down in my notes. And I'm sure that the members listening in are doing the same. So thank you for giving us your time today for, and for connecting with us and sharing so many life lessons with our audience. Rachel, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it and love our conversations and wish you all the best. And you as well. And for the folks listening in, if you would like to be a guest on a future episode of the NCLA podcast, please email me at ncla-cte.org. And if you have a topic you would like for us to address, someone that you would like to recommend for a future episode, episode, please let us know that as well and have a blessed day. Thank you.